I'm Randall Alquist, and I have a passion for story, hearing and sharing journeys with ordinary people who live extraordinary lives. The Long-Haired Pastor Podcast is about meaningful discussions with amazing people who love Jesus. Through our time together, we'll grow in our understanding of God's plan and purpose for our life, as well as have a great time. Get ready to be inspired and challenged by God to take the next spiritual step. Let's grab a cup of coffee and dive in. On today's podcast, we'll be hanging out with Art Thomas, a friend, a healing evangelist, worship leader, published author of three books, and a filmmaker. (laughs) Art also founded Wildfire Ministries International that has trained over 1,000 pastors globally, planted 10 churches, and an orphanage that cares for upwards of 300 children in Africa. At only 35 years old, Art's story, his faith, and passion will inspire you to run in the direction of God's unique purposes for your life. Art, it's so great having you on the show tonight. I greatly appreciate you taking out the time to spend the evening with me, really, and share what God has been doing through your ministry and through your life. So exciting, man. I want to I start off by maybe having you share with us your God story. Yeah, I, uh, well, I grew up in church, uh, wonderful, godly parents who loved Jesus and uh, loved me. But even the best parents in the world can't protect you from everything. And around eight years old, I was abused by some older boys in my neighborhood. Um, and just in case there's younger listeners, I'll uh, leave it at that. But um, it was, uh, it, it, I basically went from victim to this is the game we play fairly quickly. And a uh, kid down the street showed me some pictures that I shouldn't be looking at. And, uh, yeah. you know, some magazine he found that belonged to his dad. And I just, you know, it got me wrapped up in this addiction and just mess. And um, it wasn't long before I was feeling depressed. I was having rage issues, um, you know, just throwing temper tantrums at 14 years old, kicking and screaming sure. on the floor like I was a toddler. Sure. You know, I was, I, the worst part of the whole thing was I loved Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, I had grown up in this environment where that's all I knew. And so I, you know, I knew the Bible stories better than my pastor half the time, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd sit there and, you know, try with all my might to be free, to live different, to do something other than than this mess and right. i just couldn't it was it was an addiction it was like the longest i could make it was maybe two weeks and by then i'd start patting myself on the back going all right man two weeks way to go and of course proverbs says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty heart before a fall and it's almost like the lord said oh you thought you did that without grace watch what you can do without grace and i would just <laughs> fall right on my face you know wow. so it wasn't until i was about uh, 17 years old that all of a sudden the gospel made sense to me. And I realized that up until then, I kept coming to Jesus again and again and again to be forgiven. And every time I came, he'd forgive me and I'd feel clean and I'd feel free and all of that. (laughs) But uh, I had never come to him to die. And uh, that was, you know, this huge revelation that when Jesus died, I died. Paul said, I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live, Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's, you know, the Christian life, we're told that we are saved by grace through faith in Ephesians 2. I think it's verse 8. So by grace through faith, that's how you're saved. Well, in Colossians, I think it might be chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, somewhere in there, it says that uh, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue in him rooted in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. The whole Christian life is by grace through faith. A lot of Christians confuse grace and mercy. And I think I was doing that the whole time. It's like, well, I blew it again. Thank God for grace. Uh, No, (laughs) thank God for mercy. Um, Grace is not when God overlooks sin. Grace is the empowering, enabling favor of God that helps you live free from sin. So when I finally died to myself, (laughs) let the Holy Spirit live in me like it was always intended. Now my body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. Finally, I started living free and things started to change. And I actually, at that point, stopped counting how long it had been since the last time I sinned. just decided I have eternal life. So how long doesn't matter anymore? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm a new creation. So I just started walking in it and, uh, you know, it's been, uh, gosh, maybe 15 years now uh, of really, truly living free. Oh, praise God, dude. That is so awesome. I, I love the fact that you said um, mercy and grace. You know, the people get that confused. And there's such yeah. a difference in between the two, isn't there? Grace is free. Yep. Mercy is like coming to the papa with your head down. <laughs> right. uh, well, in fact, I'd even take it another way. I I, uh, I saw someone post on Facebook one time. I, I don't know where this quote originated, but it said, uh, how did they put it? Religion says, man, I really blew it. I hope my dad doesn't find out. Relationship says, man, I really blew it. I really need my dad. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what I've come to learn is it's, you know, the mercy of God gets extended to us proactively. Uh, mm. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, you know, I didn't have to approach him and ask him to forgive me. I, I had to approach him and say, I believe that you forgive me and I'm sorry, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and the, 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 whenever we come to the Lord for forgiveness, no new decision needs to be made. He already decided 2000 years ago. Amen, man. I, and when I yeah. think about that, I think about the difference between John and Peter mm. and how John described himself as the one that Jesus loved or the one that he loved reclined on his chest. You know, right. <laughs> Peter was always like, no, you can't wash my feet. And no, I'll never. <laughs> it was always trying to earn the grace, what Jesus wanted to give so freely. And I think that John got it so naturally, man. He just was yeah. in God's love. He knew he was a favorite, and just as yep. we all are. There's a beauty in understanding what grace is and what that feels like. So what have you been doing lately, man? Where have you, you been traveling? What have you been seeing? What's going on? <laughs> I haven't been doing much traveling too recently. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> just for those who are listening, those who are listening to this later, uh, this is right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you're hasn't been... You're uh, not wrong. I haven't been many churches asking me to fly to see them, but uh, anyhow, I... Uh, you never know with the healing ministry, dude. They might be pulling you Yeah, down, I know, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I um, my last trip I did was in Texas, but uh, already uh, just in the last few months, I w you know, in December, I was in Uganda in... Uh, let's see here. I've, I've, where else did I go this year? Um, Gosh, I don't even remember all the places. Where, where were you, where but, were you uh, at in Uganda? Uh, we've got uh, an orphanage in a village in, in southeast Uganda. It's, uh, okay. The closest place you'll see on Google Maps is called Bugiri, and we're about an hour or a half hour by vehicle north of there in a village called Wanenga. I love Uganda. I've been there three times, but I, but I love the name. Ah. I've been up you know, you see up in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, oh man, so beautiful. Just fantastic people, man. Most beautiful people. Yeah. What was the catalyst to pursuing spiritual gifts, pursuing healing? How did you go from a, from a kid who got, oh, okay, I get it now. It's grace to like, people <laughs> right. can actually get healed here. You know, what's, uh, tell me about that. Well, you know, it, it kind of started just before that revelation of the gospel. I was, um, uh, in youth group, my family and I had just changed to another church and uh, the youth pastor there started preaching about spiritual gifts. And up until that point, it's like, you know, I, I had seen people prophesy in church. Uh, I was, you know, had myself spoken in tongues and, you know, but uh, in terms of the number of miracles I'd seen, it was very rare. Uh, something that just seemed like that's for some special uber minister that's out there who has, you know, special gifts from God and special qualifications, but that, that could never be me. And, uh, then my youth pastor started talking about, well, everybody, uh, is a target for this. And if the Holy Spirit thinks that, uh, one of these tools would be useful in your hands, he'll give it to you. And I was like, what? <laughs> me? <laughs> and then he told me, yeah. you're supposed to, you are commanded by scripture to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially yeah. that you may prophesy. And I was like, oh, buddy, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, this was all right around the time that I was having this revelation. I had my first summer job. I had my first summer job. 
and I would every Friday take my paycheck to the bank that uh, you know issued the check and cash it out for money and then drive over to the Christian bookstore and raid the charismatic interest shelf for anything about spiritual gifts and especially yeah, prophecy. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, filled up a whole shelf of books on spiritual gifts and prophecy and read every one of them and was incredibly frustrated because all of them had different opinions <laughs> and different definitions for gifts. And I was like, right. well, there's no objective standard. What is this? Yeah. What but is it, it? But yeah. it made me hunger. And uh, yeah, I just went after it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's so funny. I think that I had a very similar account. I was a missions director, still am, but was a youth pastor as well and doing uh, missions trips. And we would see incredible stuff on the missions field. You know, people getting healed, bones being healed, you know, eyesight, ears coming back to working order and stuff. And I was yeah. like, man, God. And, and, and it took me. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this, but into my late 40s until I realized I'm not satisfied just experiencing this like yeah. everywhere else. Yep. What the heck is going on? Right. So I did the very <laughs> same thing, man. Although I use Amazon and just bought everything I could find, <laughs> read about 30 books, yeah. you know, and found mm -hmm. the same situation, too. Is it is it my responsibility? Is it God's responsibility? Is it the person getting prayed for his responsibility to have enough faith? Is it my faith that determines? Is it all these different things, you know, all these different schools of thought. And I was like, Jesus, listen, it's got to, I have to get out of the book and get into the street. I have to get out mm -hmm. of my, out of my office and into people's living rooms and yep. you know, just trust that God's going to show up because I don't know if yeah. I got more confused um, <laughs> after reading yeah. all that stuff, but I was like, yeah. "Holy, oh, am I not to know?" Um, <laughs> so, I, the next question I have here is: that, you know, most people believe in healing as a possibility, but really don't see it in mm -hmm. operation at the local church level, right? Just yeah. as you were saying, um, what would you say to somebody that wants to believe for more, but isn't seeing it in operation? Well, you know what I'll do to answer that? I'll, I'll uh, continue the story from where I left off. Uh, good, good. You know, I read all these books and one of the first things I discovered was I couldn't learn my way into a spiritual gift. <laughs> it was like, you know, I, I thought that if I understood the mechanisms of it enough, I yeah. could make it happen, but that wasn't <laughs> it. Um, the best thing it did for me, though, was it made me aware of what I was looking for when it finally happened so that I could say, oh, yeah, that was that. And it also helped me define what exactly I was hungering for. So, you know, get out there and learn some stuff, not because learning it is going to activate a gift, but learning it is going to really help you define what you're hungering for. Um, and then, you know, I started, I mean, from there, I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I started seeing all kinds of different spiritual gifts. I had seen, you know, a storm stop and part in two and go around us on both sides. And, uh, you know, I'd seen uh, just all kinds of really cool stuff. But I still, like, would lay hands on all kinds of sick people and never saw anybody healed. You know, I was having accurate words of knowledge. I was having, you know, prophetic words from the Lord that were confirming things for people. And, just, you know, all these other gifts that were happening. And, and for some reason, healing was eluding me. So with time, uh, to make a long story short, I was in my mid-20s. I had uh, become a pastor on staff at my church. Uh, I had credentials with a Pentecostal denomination, which means I knew everything. And uh, <laughs> so I, uh, at least the I was like, <laughs> yeah, helping to, uh, you know, lead my uh, this youth group at this church. And all of a sudden had this revelation about healing. And it was basically it, it started where there was a husband and wife at my church. Both of them were diagnosed with cancer. One of them was healed and the other was not. Wow. And uh, I had to process that with the Lord. And, you know, I, I basically came to the conclusion early on, maybe I don't know everything about healing that I think I know. Because right. uh, really, I had developed a very complicated theology to make myself comfortable with my lack of results. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> when I started realizing uh, the simplicity of what the Bible actually says, I suddenly couldn't escape what I saw. And what I saw was 
Jesus perfectly revealed the Father. He only did what he saw his Father doing, according to John 5, 19. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1, 3 says the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Yeah. And Jesus didn't go around making people sick. He went around <laughs> healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him, Acts 10, 38, right? Amen. So, and there are eight different scriptures throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in particular, uh, where Jesus healed every single person who came to him, called out to him, reached out and touched him, uh, had someone else come on their behalf, and a few that he took the initiative to just go up to and minister to. And at no point did Jesus say, I'm sorry, my father's building character in you. You're going to have to be a leper for a few more years. <laughs> These are things that I would say, you know, maybe God's got some higher purpose. You know, Jesus never said that. And you, you never find Jesus saying, I'm sorry, brother, the kingdom is now, but not yet. And you're going to be healed after you die. You know, it's like Jesus. Yes, the kingdom is now, but not yet. I understand that whole theology, but Jesus healed 100% according to the now of the kingdom, not the not yet. So we ought to expect uh, that if Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you, and then he gave us that same mission and message to carry out on his behalf in partnership with him, the one who now is risen and exalted and seated at the right hand of the Father, and according to Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated there with him in the heavenly realms. Yeah. We ought to expect the same works and greater, which Jesus said we would do in John 1412. It took me three months to unlearn everything that I had, you know, learned from well-meaning people who were taught by well-meaning people who just didn't yeah. know any better. And uh, I got up in front of my youth group. I preached it to them with conviction. I said, guys, I've been wrong all this time. This is what I see. I can't unsee it. Here's the biblical case. God wants to heal and he wants to use you to do it. And then I turned them loose to minister to each other. And uh, I saw my first miracle that night. Uh, when I accidentally <laughs> ministered healing to a kid's ear. <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, from there it just started happening like normal. And really what I learned was the less I try, the more likely it is to happen. Why is it that so many people, and this is such a common thing, I mean, talking about, you know, some of the biggies, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, a lot of these guys before they started in their, in their world-changing ministries, that they prayed for people hundreds of people at times, often, you know, mm -hmm. maybe more, and never saw a breakthrough. What do you think that that is? What do you think that that process is? Just out of curiosity, do you have a philosophy? Yeah. Well, I know for me, uh, I prayed for hundreds of people to be healed too, and never saw results. Mm -hmm. But the breakthrough didn't come uh, necessarily because I had prayed for all those people. The breakthrough came because I finally believed the gospel. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I think there's a certain amount of, uh, and I see this in a lot of areas of the Christian life, set healing aside for a moment. Um, when you see something to be true in the scripture that doesn't line up with what your experience has been, you have a choice in that moment. And you can either say, this is truth, and I'm going to embrace it wholeheartedly, or that doesn't line up with my experience, and my experience trumps scripture. Mm -hmm. My experience should not have the authority to dictate what scripture means. Scripture should have the authority to change my experience. Right. And so um, I, I, I think there's a certain amount of like, I see this is available and I'm going to jump out there and give it a shot. And you jump out there and you give it a shot and it doesn't work. And when you, if at that point you just back down and you go, well, I guess it wasn't true. Now you've allowed experience to, you know, squash that truth once again. But if instead you say, no, I still see that this is true and my experience didn't line up again, but maybe there's just something missing. I'm gonna keep trying until there's a breakthrough on what I see is true and available. Then through perseverance, it's like every time you try again, uh, your, your faith is, that, that little seed is, is getting, you know, pressed down into the soil and, and watered and nurtured and suddenly something breaks through uh, where there's a, there's a discovery of something that you just, Oh, now I see it. Once you see it, it's there. The number one thing that 
I need to, to accomplish when I'm praying for somebody, whether it's for healing, whether it's a prophetic word, if it's any of those things, is that they have experienced the love of God in the transaction. Yeah. It's not about yeah. if you walk away healed, it's walking away knowing that Jesus loves you and that you got an embrace because we interacted from God, right? How would you encourage those who are in the middle of this and they're praying for people and they're trying to go out there and they're looking for crutches and stuff in Walmart, you know, the whole yeah. land of healing. You know it. <laughs> if you ever want to get, for any podcast listener right now, if you want to start a healing ministry, start at the Walmart because God is at Walmart. I've seen more yep. people. <laughs> Me too. On, the, Me too. on spiritual treasure hunts and stuff like that too. God's always go to the Walmart, you know, it's like, yep. Yep. Uh, it's just so funny. Um, <laughs> But what would you say to somebody who's in the process of walking this thing out, hungry for it, desirous, reading the books, you know, they got mm -hmm. their copy of God's Generals, they're digesting this stuff. <laughs> um, and what would you say to them in the middle of the process of not seeing anything yet? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there's a couple things. The first one, and you've already touched on it, is that love is your only goal. So, you know, Matthew 25, uh, Jesus gives this, um, not a parable, a metaphor of uh, talking about the final judgment and the metaphor is separating the sheep from the goats. And he says to the sheep, um, I was uh, in prison and you visited me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was uh, sick and you cared for me. And they're like, when did we see you like this and do all these things? And he said, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then um, to the goats, he said, you didn't do all those things. And you know, whatever you did, didn't do for the least of these, you didn't do for me. And it's interesting to me that he didn't say, I was sick and you healed me. He said, I was sick and you cared for me. Wow. Which tells me that when I stand before the Lord in the end, I'm not gonna have to answer for whether or not I ever worked a single miracle but I am going to have to answer for whether or not I loved. Oh, and, uh, good. Art, you know, come on. Yeah, well, talking it in, out the uh, park, baby. I love that. <laughs> in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, if I've got faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. He didn't say the miracle was nothing. He said, I'm nothing. And uh, just a few verses later, he said, love never fails. So in Paul's mind, if the miracle works and I don't love, I fail. But if the miracle doesn't work and I did love, I didn't fail. And so, you know, ground level, I tell everybody, if you just go out there and make your primary objective to love, uh, miracles are gonna happen. It's inevitable. Uh, just, just get out there and keep loving. And even if the miracles aren't happening, the Father's still smiling at you and Jesus is still gonna thank you in the end. Amen. If you go out there trying to get miracles, and all you do is, you know, even if you get the miracles, uh, it's the ones in the end who stand there before the Lord saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and work mighty miracles in your name and cast out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Beloved, let us love one another for love comes from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Right? So it's First John 4, 7 and 8. So this is knowing God is loving people. And uh, you can't separate those. The next thing to think about is the gospel has to be part of this picture. If all we do is go out and work miracles, but we don't bring a message, uh, we're missing the point. You know, I've, I've got friends in ministry who will do that. All they do is they go out and minister healing, but there's no, there's not even like, Jesus loves you attached to it. It's like, isn't that cool? You know? And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're saying, well, man, we're just planting seeds. I'm like, no, no, no. Read your Bible. The seed is the word. The seed is the gospel. So, uh, you know, Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. And he said that right on the heels of go and preach this gospel to all creation. So, uh, you know, if we get out there and start preaching the message, the signs and wonders follow. In fact, right after that in Mark 16, the, the last couple of verses, it says, then the Lord ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father. And the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with the signs that accompanied it. So he wants to confirm the word with signs. So I saw my first miracle after preaching a straightforward gospel message and declaring who God is and the nature of God and the love of God and all of that. And, and all of a sudden a miracle happened. 
So now when I get out there on the streets and I'm loving people and I see a miracle, I'm like, you see, that's proof God loves you and wants a relationship with you, that he's not counting your sins against you. He wants to transform your life and for you to know Jesus, you know? And all of a sudden it turns into this, this uh, profound moment. The next thing I would say is um, don't give up, just keep going because if you try once, it's either gonna happen or it's not. You've got a 50-50 chance. If you try uh, four times, the stakes go higher. <laughs> the, the, the possibility goes higher. I can't do my math in my head You're right now. You're a theologian, you were the mathematician. Dude, that's exactly right. I, I filled my head with all these Bible verses and now I can't add. Anyhow. Oh, no, that's fantastic. But you get the idea, the, the ratio goes up. Like the more opportunities you make, the more chances there are for something to happen. Amen. So you get out there, you love, you preach the gospel. So uh, in, all, in the whole thing, like there are moments where like, like discouragement is easy, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. You start to get to this point where you're like, why am I even trying this? All those thoughts, all that discouragement, all of that is the carnal mind. All of that is flesh. And all of that is supposed to be dead. None of that's coming from Jesus. Jesus isn't discouraged. Jesus isn't worn down. Jesus isn't about to give up. And so you've got to get back to a place where I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And instead of thinking, I'll never see a miracle, just be like, no, miracles are normal for Jesus and he lives in me, <laughs> right? So it's not your responsibility to persevere. It's his responsibility to persevere. It's your responsibility to die so that he can persevere in you. Wow, so good. <laughs> give me a, what give me a couple of testimonies, man. What do you <laughs> what have you been seeing God do? I mean, what oh, what man. are some of the ones that like stretched your faith to the point oh. where you about testimony is, is is it literally means do it again, right? So, yeah. And I think so much of faith is about exposure to and about not only reading, you know, but experiencing and seeing, wow, man, and hearing the stories, the testimonies of other people that have seen God do extraordinary things yeah. that I might not even have the creativity to pray for or believe right. for. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was something good, Art. Come on, Yeah, man. I, okay. Um, a few years ago, I was in Rattan, Oklahoma, and uh, there was this woman in the meeting. In fact, just to, you know, because I think this is a wonderful detail in the story, uh, my back went out just before this trip. Not like, not like totally out, but enough that I had to sit on a stool to preach. Like I, I was in pain. And, uh, but I'm doing a healing meeting <laughs> of all yeah. things, right? Don't you love that? When the yeah. healing pastor comes in and it yes, Exactly. <laughs> and I just told everybody, I'm like, listen, guys, this message yeah. is true whether I'm experiencing it or not. <laughs> so, so I preached it with conviction. And I mean, we saw beautiful miracles. Like I, I remember she's got these, these big old black sunglasses covering her eyes and, and uh, you know, the, the kind that like go over another pair of glasses. Yeah, They're like yeah, shielded yeah, yeah. all around. And uh, she goes, I've got uh, macular degeneration in my eyes. And uh, you know, I, can, can Jesus do anything for me? And it was just like such a sweet question. And um, I was like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and take off your glasses. And she takes them off and I says, okay, if I put my hands on your eyes, she's like, okay. And I put my hands on her eyes and I said, eyes open in Jesus name. And I took my hands off and, and she just like the, it was so precious, her response. She just went, oh, and like tears filled her eyes and she's looking all around. She's like, I can see. And it was, oh, it was just so melted your heart. That same, uh, I don't know if it was that same meeting, but it was that same uh, event. Um, there was a woman who came who was born deaf. Her cousin brought her, and I think, I think it was her cousin that was interpreting for her. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I turned everybody loose to pray for each other, which, you know, for those who don't know about my ministry, I, I try not to be the guy on stage that everybody comes up to. Instead, I teach the church how to do this and then turn them loose on each other. So I love that. So, yeah, and I'm going to ask you know, about that in a second. Sure. Yeah, so I did that, had everybody ministering to each other, and I made a beeline for this deaf woman. Um, and so, you know, I'm sitting there trying to facilitate 
taking testimonies in the room from all these miracles that are happening in the room while ministering to this woman. And through her interpreter, uh, at the beginning, I just went up to her and asked, you know, what do you want? Because I, I had preached in a deaf church one time and, and asked people what they wanted healing for. And everybody had aches and pains and nobody asked for their ears to open up. So I didn't want to assume anything, you know. So anyhow, I, uh, <laughs> I asked her, what do, you, what do you want? She said, all I want is to hear my little boy laugh. And it just oh, grabbed my heart. So I said, all right, Jesus wants that too. And I put my fingers in her ears and said, open in Jesus' name. And took my fingers out. And my, my wife was an American Sign Language interpreter for a while, so I knew a little bit of sign language, enough to sign change, you know, and just kind of ask her, anything changed? And she's like, no, no. Try it again, try it again, try it again, over and over and over. Nothing's happening. People are getting healed all around the room. We're getting testimonies. I'm making sure I say them in the microphone so everybody can hear, turning off my microphone, going right back to this woman. And after what I think was about a half an hour, uh, and each, I mean, I, I finally got to a place after maybe 15 minutes where I was like, listen, do you want me to keep doing this? Because I don't want you to feel obligated to have some guy keep sticking his finger in your ears. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so she's great. like, no, no, I want this. Yeah. I want this. Yeah. So I, I kept ministering again and again. Miracles are happening all over the place. People are starting to leave the meeting because they're, you know, the miracles are getting fewer and fewer in between. And, uh, but I mean, it was awesome stuff that was going on. And, uh, all of a sudden, uh, the woman looks at her cousin and, and does this little sign by her face with, with like wide eyes. And her cousin goes, yeah, there, there are some children back in the corner there. And just then her little boy runs up. He had to be like maybe four or five years old, ran up to her right next to her. And she picked him up, sat him on her lap and tickled him holding her ear to him and he laughed and she like as soon as he laughed these tears started rolling down her face and she just looked at me and i was like oh my goodness this is so good so i've, I've actually so awesome that yeah. god allows us man the privilege oh, dude isn't it I, such a ridiculous privilege to yeah be in a moment with somebody yeah and just have god just like i couldn't trade it oh it's so yep. good i couldn't tell everybody trade all the time i'm ruined for anything else Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yep. what is better than that? Than witnessing God <laughs> showing up and interacting with one of his children. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so good, man. I just get goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I was probably a marginal. I was in the middle of the road. Jesus can do anything, but probably not that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm he can, on. but will he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he probably needs somebody else to take care of that one. Right. Um, but I had a group of young adults. We were in um, Honduras. And uh, as, as it often happens, um, it was like a chain reaction. A couple of my team were praying for somebody. They refused prayer initially, didn't believe in God. Then one of them got healed through a word of knowledge, right? Um, and then we led all three of them to Christ. And then somebody walking down the street saw it. Hey, da, da, da. we prayed for them. They got healed, 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 healed. It was awesome. And as we were praying for somebody else, a woman stopped us and said, hey, can you pray for my mother-in-law? And I said, absolutely, right? Absolutely. And she said, okay, well, she has a tumor that's wrapped around her spine. Come um, on. <laughs> and she's been in bed for, I, I can't remember, I think six months. Yeah. Can't walk. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, we could, we could. <laughs> and I'm right. thinking, oh, no, come on, man. But I said, sure, sure. And the pastor, I thought this was like a, a Hail Mary from Jesus. Pastor said, oh, we can't right now. We're going to do service. And I was like, okay. You know, pray, <laughs> pray for it from here. And she said, we, can you come after? And I was like, absolutely. Okay. So I'm thinking. So, you know, up in the, up in the mountains, we're hiking up this mountain and you can't see the lower half of me, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not obese, but I got a belly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're walking up this mountain and I'm, I'm literally dying. I'm dehydrated <laughs> and all of us are soaking wet and it's like straight up the mountain. <laughs> we walk into this little home, dirt floor and no introductions or anything that the lady greets us at the door says come and we walk in and she takes me right to the bedroom where this little woman is laying on the bed with a the tumor is about the size of a two and a half year old that was wrapped around her 
her her wow. lower spine and around to the front and it was yeah. she was she was under the weight of this thing on the bed just a little mm. Honduran woman yeah. and I was like wow man we just got to start worshiping the presence of God we just got to worship God yeah. so we started singing and praying and I went and put my hands on it and it was it was a tumor if you've ever laid your hands on a large yeah. tumor yep and I was like um, I need one of my, <laughs> I called a woman who was with me. She said, can you put, I, I need you to put your hands here so she's not uncomfortable. And then I put yeah. my hands like this. Just because yeah. I knew if I had this thing in my hands, I wouldn't have the belief. <laughs> <laughs> I can't feel this thing and pray for it to go. <laughs> like, it's like this giant, you know. <laughs> so, I, so I did, I'm praying and stuff. And I feel that I felt this, the heat of God, like this incredible heat. And um we're praying and i was like okay and i said i asked the woman who had her hands on her spoke spanish i speak very little um and i said does she feel any difference does she feel and she said yes yeah, she feels an incredible heat i said praise god long story short tumor completely went away oh come on i mean she ended up getting out of bed and walking back and forth but she had to hold her dress and her underwear in her hand because it was so stretched out from this tumor <laughs> being there for so long and Come we were on. just like, what in the world? That's you know? so good. Um, but it's one of those moments, and, and for anybody listening, when you're in the environment where God shows up and does something that you can't even imagine could take place, and it couldn't in the natural, right? Mm -hmm. It's only in the presence of God and when he's in the room that these things take place. Sure. Um, it, it sets something in you, a hunger, a desire, a passion, to just experience God at that level again, right? Yeah. It's not even about seeing the miracle. It's about being there for that moment where this lady is freed from this tumor that was killing, crushing. And it's such an amazing, it's such an amazing, amazing, amazing gift. Jesus healed 100% of the time. Yep. He never failed. Even the disciples, you know, it's you, you think when he started sending them out, <laughs> they had never seen failure before. <laughs> right. They'd yeah. only seen 100% success. I mean, yep. so their faith level must have been at a place like, okay. I love the idea of discipleship. And one of the things that you do that is so extraordinary is that you invite people, you teach people this very simple practice of faith. You back it up with God's word. You know, because quite honestly, look, some people that are listening to this podcast are like, oh man, you know, <laughs> they've seen it on TV. Right. <laughs> They think, oh, Lord, I, if his wife has purple hair and a ton of makeup, you know, whatever. Um, not cold purple hair, but like, the, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, because so much of it has been so crazy. Like, yeah. you know, the 90s, the 80s, some yeah. of it was just like, wow, man, these people are insane people. That's why I think that there was a separation of ideas like, man, you have to be crazy to, to mm -hmm. believe for the supernatural or this over-the-top personality. And yet... It, that doesn't is that isn't what the word says i see the way that you teach and it echoes with me so deeply with mm. discipleship right mm. it's 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 teaching them it's showing them what i showed you it's allowing people to understand that there is no hierarchy here that i'm a pastor and you're the guy who vacuums the carpets after service <laughs> right. god wants to use and will use both of us as equally yeah there's there's no there's no positioning in the sense that this guy gets more blessing than this guy. It's, it's our willingness to participate in what God is already doing. Why do you encourage people to do the praying and the laying on hands instead of taking it for yourself? Right? <laughs> um, and I, yeah. and I mean, that sounds like a silly question, but people yeah. see this. Yeah. You know, people aren't used to somebody coming in and say, okay, I'm, there's, we're having a healing night and we have this great guy coming in. He sees all these miracles. He wrote this book. We've taken this 40 day course, which we're <laughs> going to talk about later. Right. Sure. And they're expecting you to just lay hands on everybody. And then all of a sudden they're standing there. What do you mean? I'm supposed to pray for somebody, right. you know, but yeah. I, that's, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I believe that that's the way it should be, but why do you go there? Okay. And, you know, and, and, and are you doing it as a discipleship strategy? Yeah. Okay, I, good. So I was pastored well. And, uh, good. you know, there was a four-year period where I helped to plant a church in a little tiny rural community about an hour uh, away from where I live, which is kind of the metro Detroit area of Michigan. And um, so I would 
three times a week, drive an hour out there and an hour back and sometimes stay the night there, Saturday night into Sunday morning. I was leading the youth group and the Sunday worship. And uh, my pastor uh, was a phenomenal guide. He'd have a list of all these things that he wanted to say, man, this is, these are ways I see Jesus in you. I want to encourage you. And then another list of things Great that he's God. like, this needs to die. <laughs> Knock it off. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and man, uh, you need that. Yeah, we I needed need it, man. That. Yep. And I ate it up. And uh, one of the things that, you know, when we planted that church, he said, you know, there's seven or eight other churches in this little rural community. And yet, uh, only a tiny fraction of the people are actually churched. So he's like, those people, those churches are going to reach the people they're going to reach. And so if we're going to reach the people no one's reaching, we need to do the things no one's doing. And so we had a, uh, probably the most unique church (laughs) I had ever seen up to that point. Um, I'm now pastoring an even more unique church, but I think I felt the permission to do that because of these experiences with Pastor Dan. I mean, we would um, uh, put the chairs in a a half circle and he would tell people before his message, while I'm preaching, feel free to interrupt me and ask questions and, you know, share revelations that come to you. And, um, you know, it was just, we had an open mic during worship every week. We had, it was just, you know, and everything was just different, very relational, very down to earth. And one of his core values was, oh yeah, yeah, very risky. Um, yeah. and, and messy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the messes were worth it. I mean, morgues Amen. are sterile, birthing rooms get messy. And I'd rather have a mess with life than a, you know, a, a neat and tidy little church with death in it, you know? So um, Paul said, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So even as a pastor, the word of the Lord that he's given to me is still only part of the picture. So, uh, you know, that was kind of ingrained in me over those four years. And when, when this first miracle happened in my youth group, uh, I got nervous because I was like, uh-oh, I don't want everybody to start looking at me like the superhero. I want them to know yep. everybody gets to play. So the next night after that youth group meeting where I saw my first miracle, it was a young adult meeting, a Thursday night. And the young adult, it was actually an intern at our church named Josh who'd been healed the night before. He came in and told everybody what happened. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, why is everybody looking at me? I go, guys, no, 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 this isn't me. This is for everybody. It's the whole body of Christ. So I had everybody, someone else said they needed healing. I had everybody else gather around them. And this time I stood back and they got healed. And then the next person got healed. And then we had another intern at our church come in. She had fallen down a flight of stairs and grabbed a railing and tore a a muscle in her, uh, I don't know if it was her shoulder, her pectoral muscle, whatever. But she needed surgery to have it reattached. And she comes in with this sling late after these miracles just happened. And we all look at her coming in the door like fresh meat. She's like, (laughs) what's going on? (laughs) She comes over, we pray for her. We're like, don't don't even ask, just come over here. (laughs) We're laying hands on her. She takes off the sling, starts doing windmills with her arms. Two two weeks later, she's in Lithuania on a missions trip, throwing bags of rice like nothing ever happened, carrying her own luggage, never needed the surgery. I just learned early on, this is for everybody. And I saw it in the word. Like Jesus said, these signs will accompany those who believe. He said, everyone who believes in me will do the same works I've been doing and greater. My goal is if I do my job right, um, you may want me to come back to your church because you like me, but you don't need me to come back to your church and heal all the sick people who got sick since last time I was there. <laughs> you know, like everybody ought to know how to do this by now. Amen. Dude. <laughs> I, that is so refreshing. I, I say that saying that it shouldn't be, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. It should, should be, be normal. But <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I think, I, I really feel like there's a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if this is, if you're feeling and observing the same things, I feel like in my lifetime, there's never been more healing, yeah. more of the miraculous taking place globally than yep. there is right now. Yep. I just feel like there is such an opportunity. If you're listening to this podcast, guys, you have to know. I mean, and you know, we're we're just kind of casually laughing about <laughs> tumors disappearing, yeah, right? Surgery <laughs> being erased, and you know, knees being all this kind of stuff. And, and you may be thinking these guys are nuts, you know. But this, <laughs> this, this is this is so. I, I mean, it's so radically in opposition to what we're trained to believe. 
yep. as as residents of this planet, right? Mm. But but this idea that Jesus, that His Word, that this book, that 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 these things that have taken place are examples for us to follow, rather than stories for us just to marvel at. It's like this, and 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 I just want to encourage you, man. I mean, go to Art's website, go to his, watch his, watch some of the documentaries that he's been a part of and created, read some of his books. Um, and, and I don't want to disc, you know, cause we're making fun that we both read all of these books and really <laughs> kind of confused us. But what right. that, what, it, what that, that process did for me is there is right. a job to be done and there's a, there's a relationship to be had. And this opportunity that we get to party with Jesus, like it's crazy. Yep. It's crazy. But it, what it does is sets the expectation. But now when I get out of this, you know, when I'm driving to go to Walmart or Home Depot or whatever, before I get out of the car, I take 30 seconds to say, Jesus, if there's a person here that needs to hear something, I promise you I'll say it as long as I know it's you. Yeah. If there's a person that needs healed, Father God, and you highlight them to me, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but it's gotta be you. Yep. And I'll get out of the car. And it's setting the expectation for God encounters um, cause that's all God needs is for an awareness and for an expectation and for a certainty that he loves people. Right. Yep. It's just so good. So I just want to encourage you guys, listen, if you think we're crazy, that's all right. But <laughs> test Jesus, literally test yeah. Jesus on this because he wants to love people so desperately. Second Corinthians three says, as we behold his glory, we are transformed into his image going from glory to glory which is really one degree of expressing him to the next. Um, the more fully I can see him, the more fully I'm like him. First uh, John, I think it's chapter three, maybe verse four, five, six, somewhere in there. It says, um, friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know this, when we see him, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. Yeah. yeah. So, one day we'll see him in his fullness and instantaneously be like him in his fullness. And until then, the more clearly I can see him, the more fully I'll be like him. And just a few verses later, it says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Mm. So according to John, the antidote to sin is seeing and knowing Jesus. Yeah. So if I've got sin in my life, the, the problem is not that I'm not trying hard enough. The problem is I need to see him more clearly. The problem is I need to know him more intimately. That's and so I need to make that the singular pursuit of my life. A lot of us think the gospel's a, a behavior management plan. It's not. It's a transformation plan. Like you actually become a new creation and the old is gone and the new is here and the new you looks like Jesus. It is I want to behold I want to be one with the one who is one with the Father. Mm -hmm. and, and really that comes from recognizing I already am one with the one who is one with the Father. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.15, I think it is, or you know, 6.17 says, uh, whoever's united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Mm -hmm. um, verse 15 is even more profound to me. It says that, uh, um, uh, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? That means this whole idea about being the body of Christ is not just some pretty metaphor. It is like a, a profound reality that we are physical extensions of Jesus in the earth. And, you know, when I'm laying hands on you, Jesus is laying hands on you because I'm his body, right? Yeah. <laughs> if people yeah. were healed by just touching the edge of his garment, how much more his pinky toe? Like, it doesn't matter what part of his body I am, right? Like, yeah. I could be a beard whisker and I got more yeah. power than yeah. his garment, you know? Yeah. So, like, we got this, man. We can yeah, do this, man. every one of us. How do people find out more about art? How do, how do uh, they yeah. keep up with you? How do they find? I mean, you know, obviously your website. Um, yeah. Well, give them your website and tell us any, sure. any other way. Yeah, well, um, all my speaking engagements and stuff, I list at artthomas.org. And um, that's under the itinerary tab. And people can invite me for speaking engagements there too, um, provided the world opens up and we can one day do speaking engagements again. <laughs> but, uh, so that's that. And then uh, all, you know, supernaturaltruth.com. That's where you'll find, uh, there's a tab that says free media. There's a blog there. I write there. There's um, some other authors that uh, work with us. They write there. Um, there's a 
podcast that is mostly old sermons, but we're actually getting ready to start launching more uh, audio content on there. Um, The Supernatural Truth Facebook page, uh, we just recently posted an an interview I did with a guy named Rick Osborne, good friend of mine, and uh, just incredible stuff on identity in Christ. A really good conversation we had with him. So SupernaturalTruth.com, the Supernatural Truth Facebook page, ArtThomas.org, and Art Thomas uh, Facebook page. Um, those are probably the best ways to keep up with me. And then those who want to check out what we're doing with our church, that is uh, RootsAG.org. Well, dude, you are a rock star. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Whether, whether you want to take on that identity or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was so great to be able to sit and chat with you, laugh with you. Just, mm-hmm. you know, you're such an inspiration, man. Oh, and um, I just really appreciate the fact that you are doing what you're doing, that you're listening to God, and that you are, man, just just discipling people and how to to believe for more of what God has for them. So God bless you, brother. I you so too. appreciate you again taking the time. It's awesome yeah. hanging out with you. Well, praise God, man. Thank you for what you do. Guys, make sure to go check this dude out. Follow him on any social media you can because he's always dropping gold, as you can see. God bless you, and thank you for tuning in. You too. Thanks. Hey guys, if you were blessed by this podcast and would like to know when the latest episode drops, please, for God's sake, smash the subscribe button and take just 30 seconds to write a review. Seriously, it helps to get this in front of more people and ultimately spread the gospel. You can visit our website and leave a tip in the virtual tip jar by clicking the link in the bio. Also, follow us on Instagram at the Long Haired Pastor Podcast. Again, thank you so much for hanging out and shine on.